good morning, John Ray. How are you today? Today is, uh, I'm doing fantastic. It's a little gloomy outside. Um, but with, what, one more week, two more weeks left of school before they let out for the Christmas break, uh, well, well into Advent, going into our second week, halfway through our second week of Advent, and it's going fantastic. I love the Christmas decorations. Yeah. Love them. Yeah, we don't, we don't decorate in our house, um, but I, I love going to people's houses and seeing them. Mm-hmm. So Alicia spent the last week plus decorating, and I don't think she's done. I don't remember <laughs> her being this into Christmas. Oh, I'm all about it. Yeah. it I, as her spiritual father for the parish, I, can, I tell her she's doing a great job. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, like, we just, like, jumped in today. Yes, we did. We didn't even, we said good morning, yep. we set up their equipment, and then we just started. So That's what happens when your 14-year-old drags and traffic's back. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love you, son. Uh, yeah, high school. Yeah. Love it. Something, something like that. Um, well, so, mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead. Well, I was it's your show. I'm just here. Yeah, well, it's your world, man. I'm just living in it. I remember, <laughs> okay, I'm not going to go on a tangent. Uh <laughs> For our homily series that we started, I remember me and Father Brady, I, I kept getting feedback. Right, okay, back up. Right now, we are in the middle of a homily series explaining the Mass. Sure. It's the, been a couple of weeks, so yep. you, know, uh, you were out of town and all kind of stuff has happened. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so the homily series came about that um, Father Russo at STM did a catechetical Mass which more or less, he just kind of said mass, but at different points of the mass, like kind of tidbits, he just, okay, we're using incense because, Mm. okay, we're doing the sign of the cross because, okay, the priest bows here because, and he just like explained the mass as he was doing it. And people responded really well to it. People respond really well to catechesis. Catechesis Mm. is whenever you explain the faith and why we do it. Because people don't know what we do. Yeah. Several years ago when I was first here as the youth minister, Life Teen put out a whole semester uh, of Life Nights on the Mass. And so, um, so we, brought, we brought the young people through the semester, right? And it dawned on me about halfway through that um, we begin with Mass and then go talk about the Mass. And then they have a week that they probably don't go to Mass again, right? And then we have Mass and then we talk about Mass. So I, I approached Father Steve, who was the pastor here before Father Brady, um, and said, hey, <clears throat> back then we did a 7 p.m. Mass. It was the, the Mass of Last Resort in Lafayette. Right? Yeah, well, or 9 p.m. at Wisdom. Well, I think at this time, I don't think they had the 9 oh, wow. p.m. yet. And so, um, so we flipped our Life Teen Mass for the very last Mass of, um, or for the very last Life Night of the semester. We began our life night at six, like normal or five thirty, and um, and then ended with the seven p.m. mass. So, and then he he did exactly what you're saying. Like we went through the mass, and he kind of explained everything that we were mm-hmm. doing and all of that. It was pretty cool. I remember he called the confidior the great equalizer. Oh wow! Look at that. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, the, um, we got. I was getting a, uh, some feedback about it, about how much they loved it. Oh, we need to do that. And, and people say that a lot. You know, they bring ideas from another parish to their parish and they'll say, we need to do that. And, and a lot of times they are great ideas. It's just that if we did that all the time, we would never do 
really i mean i don't i don't yeah. even know we, we couldn't do it all so uh i was thinking about it praying about it. i brought it up to father brady i said what do you think about this and uh the idea was there's four sundays in advent and there's four parts of the mass there's the introductory rites there's the liturgy of the word the liturgy of the eucharist and the concluding rites mm-hmm. and so i said why don't one hum every sunday for our four Sundays, we explain one part of the Mass. And he said, no, I like that. Let's do that. And so uh, that's how it came about. I started doing some research, trying to put stuff together in regards to where it's found in Scripture and where it's found in the tradition. Like, when did it start and why did it start? It was the first part, the first time it started and why. And for a homily, you can't really do that, right? I mean, one, because it, it'd be really boring for people. Like if I was to say it was Tertullian in the year 138 uh, started this, and then St. Justin Martyr in the year 155 put it into stone whenever he wrote it and then sent it to the uh, Rome. You know, and so in that way, it would be a little bit too much for just the average person. Sure. But there is a way to present it, right? And that's what we've been trying to do. Um, there's the kind of the actual historical reasons, okay, scripture and tradition, and then there's the allegorical or the spiritual meaning behind it. So let's say incense, okay, well, in the temple, in the Old Testament, they had an altar of incense, right, where they burned incense. Uh, Even incense was brought to Jesus uh, in the crib, Uh, and incense has always been used throughout uh, history for worship, but what's the allegorical, what's the spiritual reason why? Well, the coals, we are the coals, we're, we're, and the incense is our works. We, we sacrifice, we pray, and it rises up to God like a sweet-smelling incense, right? So the incense is kind of our prayer and our works, and we are the coals. Are we hot? Are we on fire for God? If so, then our works and our prayer will rise up to God like a sweet-smelling incense, huh? And we incense at certain points of the Mass for a certain reason, um, like we don't incense certain things and we do incense other things. Why? Well, there's reasons. And so just to kind of go through that, uh, and as far as I know, people have been responding well to it. Um, so we just we finished part two, the, the introductory rites and the Liturgy of the Word. The next one is going to be the big one, Liturgy of the Eucharist. This is the climax of the Mass, right? So if you're thinking about a big book, uh, this is kind of the high point. And so this will be, at least on our end, the most difficult because there's going to be so much. There's just so much. It, I'm actually really interested to see how this is going to work out. <laughs> I have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, you, well, you're, you're taking a six-part homily series on John 6 and condensing it to 15 minutes. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's, it, it's going to be, I don't even know what I'm going to do yet. I mean, I have like the divisions of the Eucharistic, uh, the liturgy of the Eucharist divided up. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how this all works out in 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, So, but that's, that's what you got to do. And so we'll, it'll it'll be great. It'll it'll, it'll be all right. Uh, But uh, response has been going really well for it. And so uh, I brought that up to him and then. Something else we thought of, and we don't know yet, right? We want to make sure that we give respect to the liturgical season. And I'm saying that because there's, uh, we thought about doing something in Lent. There's five Sundays in Lent, 
And what we could do is like apologetics, where we explain and defend the faith. Uh, that's what apologia, apologia, right? To explain something, to defend it. Um, and so we could do the five most misunderstood topics of the Catholic faith, right? So the top five, you know, you have top five football players of the weekend or something like that. The top five most misunderstood, so like purgatory, uh, the sac, or the not really the sacrament, but I would say probably the hierarchy or the Pope or why women can't be priests or stuff like that, right? And just take one, one of those topics per homily. And I say we, we're still praying about it because we, we don't want to, we want to give respect to the liturgical season. And Lent is this time to prepare for the suffering, death, and resurrection of our Lord. This is the highest point of the, litur- of the uh, liturgical season. So we want to make sure that we give respect to it. But that's also kind of a little, little idea we could have. We're praying about it. Nice. Mm-hmm. So you want to recap uh, maybe some of the highlights of what you've talked about so far? I would say there's one, there's a few that really kind of stuck with me because as I put these homilies together, like I'm learning too, right? And I'm praying with it and, and things are coming to me in prayer, right? So one of them, that I said um, at the beginning of my first homily, y'all, you can go back and listen to it. Um, I said, I gave the analogy of the changing of the guard in Washington, D.C. For those that don't know, the, the ceremony of changing of the guard for the, for the tomb of the unknown soldier in Washington is the most solemn event in the United States. It is the most solemn. It's more solemn than the inauguration of a president. Everyone knows that. This is the high point of the United States. The Tomb of the Unknown Soldier is all those soldiers that have died in war throughout our history that we, we don't know about and we haven't found their body or something like that, right? The changing of the guard is the most solemn event. If you've ever been to it, you know what I mean. When you go there, you can watch it on YouTube. Uh, the soldiers are absolutely reverent. The soldiers are pristine and perfect in every way. They have to be. They're examined before they go out, and whenever they go out in front of everyone, they're examined, right? So the soldiers are examined head to toe in regards to their hair, their hat, their shirts, their, like, their gun. Everything must be perfect and pristine. And if I'm not mistaken, like the way that they live their life, even when they're not on duty is examined. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that's a thing. My, I have a good friend that was invited to be part of the honor guard. And I think that's something that he told me. Yeah. It's, you have to be in a very real way, uh, perfect in that sense. Not because they're scared that the unknown soldiers will kind of haunt them or something like that. But because the sacrifice that they made demands it. The sacrifice that they made, those unknown soldiers made for our country, demand our perfection and our absolute reverence and respect. Um, And I use that as kind of a launching pad for the Mass. Whenever we use things for Mass, they should be perfect. We use the highest quality things. Everything should be pressed, right? The, the, uh, our chalices should be polished. The, the linen should be perfect. The books should be pristine. 
Um, the altar server stuff should be good. The priest, he should be reverent. He should move with dignity. Everything like that, not because of something, I don't know why, uh, but because the sacrifice of Jesus demands it. We do that because we give God our first fruits, not our last fruits. We give him our absolute best because the Mass is the sacrifice of Calvary, of Jesus on the cross. And so when we go there, we want the absolute best. Like, for instance, Father Poirier, I am not one for, uh, you know, I don't know what you say, kind of like a slicked hair and, and a GQ magazine type of guy. I'm definitely not. But when I go to, especially for Sunday Mass, I make sure that I'm presentable and that whenever, whatever I wear for Mass, my albs, my, uh, my vestments, all that is pristine, is the best that we can get. Not because, you know, I decided I want to look pretty. That's ridiculous. No, it's because I'm doing this for someone else, right? So when a man buys a diamond ring for his wife, it's not so that he can look, no, it's not that. It's about him giving his best to his future bride, right? That's the idea behind it. And so everything we do in the Mass should be with that mindset, whether we are, we're just standing there or when we're doing something. It should be with absolute reverence and respect dignity, love, because of Jesus. That's the whole reason. Because Je- the way Jesus' sacrifice demands that of me. And whenever uh, the bar is raised, somehow or another, we kind of make it. You know, if the bar is real low, then we'll make that bar. If the bar is real high, we'll make it. Uh, and so that's kind of the idea, the launching pad for uh, the Mass. And I said that in my first homily about, about just kind of overall how we act and why we should act. Why does Father move like that with kind of military precision? That's why. Because we try to do our best for Jesus. I like that. Mm-hmm. So that's point number one. Yeah, I think... You said there were three that really stood out to you. There was? Okay. That's what you that, said. Uh, <laughs> the sec- okay, oh, well then, look, how about this? There's I think three. I'll go back and listen to the recording. No, no, okay. No, I'll, I feel uh, like I've been paying attention. There's, there's three points. I could easily make that. The <laughs> second one was... Um, for the liturgy of the word, I was studying and I was kind of praying with it. And then I thought of this and I was, I just thought this was kind of cool. Uh, Jesus kind of gave me this one. Um, the church is on a three-year cycle, year A, year B, year C, uh, for the readings, right? So all of the, re- and essentially in three years, you hear the entire Bible, right? There's a few verses that are omitted, probably like a paragraph's worth right? Uh, and within the whole Bible. So essentially, right, you hear the entire Bible in three years. The first readings connect with the gospel, right? So the Old Testament reading connects with the, the gospel. And that middle reading, the New Testament reading, usually from St. Paul, is just an exhortation typically on how to live a holy life and a Christian life, right? So if you think about it, Coming to Sunday Mass and praying with the readings is the greatest Bible study on planet Earth. It's the best. It's the best Bible study you will ever do. Coming to Mass and just praying with the Sunday readings. Because they all are connected. Holy Mother Church is literally taking us by the hand, 
all throughout Scripture and connecting the Old Testament to the New Testament and then telling us how to live in that second reading. So people doing these Bible studies, fantastic. I definitely want everyone to do Bible studies. I think that would be incredible. I think we'd see a change in the world if we did that. But if you're struggling and you don't know which one to do, well, you could always start with the best one on planet Earth by coming to Sunday Mass and praying with the Sunday readings just throughout your week. That would be a great place to start. And a, and a, yeah, a great place to end, too. Mm. So, and then the homilies are supposed to kind of help that along and be a good reflection, exhortation on the readings. And so that's point number two. Um, coming to Sunday Mass. I like that. Yeah. And, do, and I mean, and then to even dive deeper into that, all the, and we've said it before, but um, most of the prayers that we pray at Mass are found in right Scripture. Out, right, out, right out of the Scripture. Yeah. I've been trying to drop, you know, like, this is from Isaiah chapter 6. Okay, this is from Romans chapter 10. I don't give the exact verse and stuff because people could get lost in the sauce. Well, and because you're Catholic. Well, no, I got it <laughs> written down. I got it written down. Trust me. It's, uh, but I don't, I don't want people to get uh, kind of lost with it, you know. Uh, you know, trying to remember what verse or even what chapter or something like that. Um, okay. So the third point was actually what I'm, I'm definitely going to say this upcoming week. I'm going to say it for uh, this upcoming week for the liturgy of the Eucharist. Uh, well, maybe I will, maybe I won't. I don't know. We'll see how it falls. But I was giving a talk to the school on the mass, uh, last week. I was kind of talking to them about how to behave in mass and what do we do? What do we not do? What's a general principle for that and stuff. Um, and I was talking to them and I, and I said something that I, I've always said before, but then in the heat of the moment, I said something that I had no idea about. I, I said something that I never thought about before, and it since has changed the way I celebrate Mass. Wow, and that, that's pretty, that's a big statement. It is, it is. It's, and that happens every night. That's why I love giving talks, because as I'm doing the research, as I'm praying, things come to me. But then even while I'm giving the talk and the Holy Spirit's moving, right? I say things sometimes that I I never thought about before, and then I go back and I pray with it. And that's why I love giving talks because I get so much. Fr- I get I promise you I get more fruit from giving a talk, preparing a talk, and giving a talk than people uh, get from listening to one of my talks. I promise you I get more fruit from it. And so in a roundabout way, it's kind of selfish that <laughs> I do it. Um, well, I was giving a talk to the kids. And I said, like, okay, general principle on how to behave during Mass. Imagine that Mary is sitting right beside you, right? Because Mary went to Mass. And if the Mass is Calvary, Mary was there. She was, she was standing there. And she, and she, nobody was ever more reverent in Mass than Mary, right? And so when, the, when uh, our blessed Lord died, he rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and sent the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Father and the Son spirated the Holy Spirit and the, upon the apostles, and the apostles started to celebrate Mass. Mary went to Mass. Mary received communion. Mary prepared herself to go to Mass, and then after Mass gave thanks and prayed. And so whenever you go to Mass, imagine that Mary is sitting right beside you, and she's telling you, okay, how, what to do, or she's telling you, she's reminding you how to act during Mass. 
because she's the best one at it, you know? And then I said something that I, that at the time, what I, well, I didn't know I was going to say this, but it was a fib, you know? I didn't tell him this. But so in, in the heat of the moment, I didn't know I was going to say this. And I said, even Father Poirier, when I celebrate Mass, I imagine that Mary is sitting in the first pew. Or that Mary, while I'm celebrating Mass and I'm holding the Eucharist, I'm doing the consecration, I'm doing the liturgy of the Eucharist, I imagine Mary is like whispering in my ear what to do. Like the rubrics of the Mass. I imagine that Mary is uh, saying, okay, slow down a bit. You, you, you're talking too fast. Okay, be gentle with him, you know. Okay, you're holding my son. Be careful. Hold him up a little bit longer, you know. Uh, and, and so I imagine that Mary is kind of whispering that in my ear throughout the, throughout the Mass, but especially during the liturgy of the Eucharist. And, and when I said that, I was still answering some questions, and I was thinking to myself, where in the world did that come from? You know, because I never thought about that before. That Mary was sitting in the, how would I celebrate Mass if it was just our Blessed Mother? Or, or like if Mary was whispering the rubrics of the Mass to me. And then all of a sudden, I celebrated Mass like uh, 30 minutes later after that. And I imagine that, or I, I felt, I, maybe I didn't celebrate it completely different to other people. But interiorly, it was 100% different. Mm. Not 100% different. But man, oh man, it was, it was something else. And even since then, I still imagine that. And that was last week. That's cool. Mom used to always say, camp on Jesus, look for his mother. Right? Mm-hmm. She's going to bring us to her son, and she's going to introduce us to him in ways that we never could have known him without her. Mm-hmm. You know, It's kind of like if I went and talked to your mom. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn things about you that you probably don't remember. There's yeah. things about you that you've done or said or that you have no memory of, but mom doesn't forget. Mm. Yeah. And so that, that's something that, that I said, that, those are my three points I say. And that last one, it wasn't, I'm, I'll probably say that in my homily, but uh, this upcoming week, but we'll see where the liturgy of the Eucharist takes me. It's a, it's, it would be, that'd be a tough one to formulate, but it'll be, I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot mm. in it. Well, um, so when this episode drops, the next day is going to be the Immaculate Conception. So I think this is a perfect, like, come off of the three points. Let's talk a little bit about the Immaculate Conception as we bring this episode. Number 50, by the way. Yeah, the, the golden, the golden um, anniversary one, the 50. Um, as we bring it to a close, what is the Feast of the Immaculate Conception and why do we celebrate it? Well, okay. <laughs> the Immaculate Conception In is... In five minutes. Yeah. The Immaculate <laughs> Conception is that Mary was conceived without any sin, right? So the Immaculate Conception... Everyone is born with original sin due to Adam and Eve, right? And uh, through the death, the suffering, the death, and the resurrection of our blessed Lord, and through baptism, the, uh, the sacrament that he instituted by being baptized in the uh, Jordan, uh, original sin is wiped away from our soul, and we are made adoptive son and daughters of God. Without baptism, with, with original sin still on our soul, God the Father cannot look upon us and recognize his son, right? Holiness, in a nutshell, is when God the Father looks upon us, his adopted children, and see his actual son, right, Jesus, right? 
So the closer that someone becomes, gets to Jesus, the holier they are because the Father recognizes them more and more, right? And that's the Holy Spirit living within the person, right? And so through baptism, original sin is wiped clean. Everyone has been born with original sin except our Blessed Mother. Okay, now why? There's been plenty of spiritual reflections, dogmatic reflections upon this, and scriptural reflections upon it. Actually, for my homily, I don't know which one I'm going to do. I don't know if I'm going to do scriptural, I don't know if I'm going to do spiritual, and I don't know if I'm going to do dogmatic. But, and I would say this, for, for a dogmatic, re, or maybe, maybe, okay, uh, we'll just see what this looks like. Um, St. Alphonsus Liguori says that a Mary... Immaculate Conception, a primary reason was so that she can become more worthy to receive the Son, uh, Jesus. Because the world did not deserve Jesus, but Mary did, because Mary was perfect. Mary, still being a creature, was perfect, right, as a creature. And so the world did not merit a Savior, Jesus. The world did not deserve a Savior, Jesus. But there was one person who did. Mary. And so they created Mary in order that she may receive the Savior on behalf of the world. So in the same way that Jesus came to the world through Mary, well, in, in a way, we return to Jesus through Mary, right? Because God chose that way, we should chose, choose that way. The Immaculate Conception is when Mary was conceived without original sin, and she was free from sin the rest of her life. Um, so she was, she was perfect. The only, there was only one person born without original sin, Mary. Of course, Jesus, being the God-man, uh, did not have original sin. And they say St. Joseph, the holiest person to ever live after Mary. Jo St. Joseph was born with original sin, but, but after that, never committed a sin, not even a venial sin. Mm -hmm. right? And, and that's, the, that's kind of the legend with it. Um, that went, and there's actually technical terms for it. Uh, Latreia is worship, the Latin for worship. We give that to Jesus and God. Uh, Dulia is for the saints. That's when we kind of tip our hats. We, that's called uh, veneration, Dulia. Uh, Proto-Dulia is for St. Joseph, the first that we venerate uh, amongst the saints because he's the greatest saint. And then Hyperdulia is for Mary. Hyperdulia, she's the queen, mm. right? So Latreia is for God, worship, and then we have Dulia, Proto-Dulia, and Hyper-Dulia for the saints, St. Joseph, and for Mary. So the Holy Family is in a league of all of their own. After the Holy Family, we can argue about who is the greatest saint. <laughs> but uh, St. Joseph is always going to take that. Yeah. Um, so uh, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception is uh, an obligatory holy day. Mm -hmm. um, so our Mass schedule will be uh, 5.30 on Wednesday. Yes. And then um, what's the schedule on so, um, for when? So you're right. For Wednesday, our uh, vigil mass will be at 530. Of course, confessions before. Me and Father Brady are going to try to be at all of the masses here in confessions because uh, we want to do that. Or well, at least sure. I'll, I'll try to do that. Um, and then Thursday, we have our typical 530 a.m. mass. 6 a.m. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 5.30 a.m. confessions, 6 a.m. Mass, and then our 11.30 confessions, 12.05 Mass, and our 5 p.m. confessions, 5.30 p.m. Mass. So three Masses on Thursday, 
one Wednesday evening for the Immaculate Conception of our Blessed Mother. And is the, so the, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, she's the patroness of the Americas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and am I right in saying, because if I'm wrong, I'm just going to edit it out of here. Um, that she's the patronage? No, that the Feast of the Immaculate Conception in the U.S. is one of the few solemnities that would trump the Sunday? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm actually not sure. I think, I think it's one, because of how it falls. I think we have to celebrate the Feast of the Immaculate Conception even when it falls That'd on Sunday. That'd be really Sunday. cool. I don't know. We need to look that up. Maybe don't edit it out and see if one of our listeners, they well, look it oh, up. Oh, somebody's going to correct us if we're wrong. You know that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. They won't correct I mean, you, Father. Yeah, they They'll won't correct, correct me. me. <laughs> they said, I can't tell. Someone was in car line today. Uh, I was holding up the car line because I, I was talking a little bit too long with someone. And I said, oh, look, you got to go. And I told one of the teachers, I said, you didn't tell me they were look, uh, holding them up? I said, I can't correct you, Father. And I was like, okay. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, this uh, brings our... 50th episode to a close what an incredible episode we talked about the mass our blessed mother uh the golden anniversary and we only said hello to each other this morning we didn't see how the holy spirit moves love him so uh if you like this episode be sure to share it with a friend like us follow us on your podcast listener of choice we look forward to seeing y'all this thursday and this weekend Mm. god bless god bless